for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in uh, to the Blitz Podcast. Uh, as always, well, not as always, but I am your host, Mr. Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by Mr. Jaden Kozak, who may or may not be in the same location that I am right now, something like that. Uh, but yeah, we switched up the background, so it looks kind of like a different place. But yeah, we are in house today for the episode in person, uh, so gotta love that. Um, can't love the literal three hours that me and Jaden spent, um, negotiating a dynasty trade, uh, that eventually ultimately fell through, it seems like, uh, but I wanted to lead off the intro and, uh, tell me what you think of this trade in the comments. Anthony Richardson. Dynasty. Okay. Yeah. Dynasty. It's important. Two QB. Yeah. So you got like quarterbacks, like the first round was, I believe it was. Seven of the eight picks. It's an eight-man league. Seven of the eight picks were quarterbacks. So and to be very valuable. Start our first year. And of the dynasty, dynasty. Yes, and this is our first year. Yeah, already had the rookie draft, all that good stuff. But it's DK Metcalf or Christian Watson, one of the two, uh, depending on the rest of the package. Um, Anthony Richardson, uh, Damian Pierce, and A.J. Brown for Justin Herbert, Jameer Gibbs, and Christian Kirk. And picks and Watson, Metcalf, those are thrown around. But let us know in the comments what you think about the general framework of that. Walter, I know you always have the most loving things to say. Uh, so please give us some feedback there. Um, but yeah, love all the interaction we can get. But let's dive in to what we're actually going to talk about today. And that is the ninth ranked New York Jets. Um, our first single digit team in the power rankings. Uh, I've been mentioning as we roll down. Uh, towards the end here, we're coming close to the football season, so sad we're ending this segment, but happy the football season is right here upon us. Uh, but let's dive into these ninth-ranked Jets and why we've got them where they are. And you got to start out at the quarterback position, and they definitely brought in reinforcements, that's for sure. And they brought in Aaron Rodgers uh, over the offseason to hopefully be this team's franchise quarterback for how long uh yet yet to be seen man because he's got kind of a contract where he can decide at the end of the year hey i mean i kind of don't want to do this thing anymore let's retire um he also cleared up a lot of money in his contract to allow the jets to bring in more free agent acquisitions aka dalvin cook that hasn't happened but he's just his contract with new york he's supposed to be there for two years at least and probably, I mean, he could retire after the season, but are we going to get the same Aaron Rodgers that we've seen? I mean, he's not too far removed from back-to-back -back MVP seasons, but he did just have a dud of a season last year. Didn't have too much to throw to, didn't have too many options on the offensive side of the ball, but he has a lot more this season in New York. We've got him ranked as a seventh best quarterback in football, according to Blitzpod consensus, so... What do you see out of Aaron Rodgers this year, man? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about in New York. For the quarterback position for the first time in a very, 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 very long time. Like, this is 
I mean, if Aaron Rodgers plays to Aaron Rodgers type level, and I'm not even talking like 2020, 2021 MVP Aaron Rodgers, I'm talking about maybe a little bit better than last year. This is the best quarterback play that the Jets have had in a season, maybe ever, you know? Uh, so there's obviously a lot of excitement here. This is one of the better Jets teams in a while. And that's why they go out and they go get an Aaron Rodgers. They feel like they can make a push here. Even in a loaded AFC, they feel like they can make a push for a Super Bowl run. Uh, and obviously Zach Wilson, Mike White, Chris Strebler, uh, a bunch of other names aren't going to cut it at quarterback. So you go out and you <coughs> make the big move to go get him, even if it was you know, maybe less than a guy like Aaron Rodgers deserves, especially for one year. I get that because he's a little bit on the older side, but the one year or two years or how many years you get out of Aaron Rodgers are going to be damn good. You're going to be getting, you know, we have them at seventh here. You're going to be getting top 10 quarterback play in all likelihood uh, for the rest of his time here. And like the reason why the Jets are ninth is because Aaron Rodgers is here. Like we're talking about Aaron, we're talking about the Jets a long time ago. If they don't make it's also team. the statement that it makes. Yeah, like yeah. it's like okay, we're we're pushing our chips in here, and they've been kind of hesitant to do that. Uh, you know, they draft Zach Wilson at number two. He was supposed to be the guy. Obviously, doesn't end up doing that. Um, now he's the backup here, and there's like some minor hopes. You know, people are watching Hard Knocks, seeing Aaron Rodgers talk to Zach Wilson. And I think that's like. Bringing I don't Zach even Wilson think it's minor hopes. Bit. Like, if we're gonna talk about Zach Wilson, like I think you bring in it. This is the perfect guy to bring in right now because I mean, obviously Zach Wilson isn't the guy today. So you bring in Aaron Rodgers, and then he sits behind Aaron Rodgers for a year if he retires after this year or two years at the max. And then you've got, he's 25, like, coming out of that. So, similar kind of Jordan Love situation on steroids, though, because he has a lot better options in New York. And he was a lot higher draft pick and a lot better prospect coming out of college. So, I know I'm falling in love with the hard knocks. I'm guilty of doing it every single year. But I think, like, I mean, this is not obviously for this year. But I think Zach Wilson could he has a lot better chance of turning into that franchise guy now with Aaron Rodgers in the building than he did before. Yeah, and but the thing that worries me with that is that, you know, while he does have Aaron Rodgers and he's going to learn, we're two years in now already with Zach Wilson. You probably got another two years with Aaron Rodgers, and then you've got to make a decision on his fifth-year option. And without having seen him play in two years, other than maybe a uh, spot start here and there, you know, they're – clinched a division win or something like that, it's going to be hard to make that decision. And I feel like, especially considering he's the number two overall pick, that's going to be an expensive tag that they have to pick up, an expensive option that they're going to have to pick up. I don't think they do it. And then he leaves the Jets, even if, uh, I mean, maybe if Aaron Rodgers says, I'm retired, then maybe they say, we'll, we'll give Zach Wilson a year. But even then, you know, you're still going to have Sauce Gardner. You're still going to have Garrett Wilson. You're still going to have likely a Super Bowl caliber roster, and then you're going to hand that back to Zach Wilson after being in playoff contention for years with Aaron Rodgers. I don't see that happening here, and I think he goes somewhere else, and you know he's got to start all over, new system all over again. I just I kind of think the books maybe been written on Zach Wilson. I think this might be it. You know, we just saw Geno Smith be a backup for ten years and come in and play phenomenal. So who really knows? Um, but I think that is this is kind of it for Wilson. Um, just to recap on Rodgers, and I mean, like I said, you're going to get top ten quarterback play from him. Yeah. Um, I think maybe. I mean, is that like completely guaranteed though? I mean, he finished 14th among quarterbacks in PFF grade last year. Like he had his MVP season in 2020, which was fantastic. Uh, but he's only in had 2021. 
Yeah, and in 2021, but he's only decreased in uh, PFF grades since then. Like, he had a 77.5 last year. Which is still... 14th. 14th. Yeah. And... With the weapons that he let's had. Remember, I was about to say, let's remember, he had, you know, Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watson. Christian Watson Aaron there Jones. for the second half of the season. You know, he did have running backs there that were good, and he did have a pretty solid offensive line. Although, no Bakhtiari, which, you know, a lot of people like to forget he doesn't have that superstar left tackle here, or there. Doesn't really have that here either, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but he does have Garrett Wilson. Um, yeah. Like, we'll, we'll talk about that as well, but... I think there might be a bit of a slow start. I think, you know, the first couple of weeks there's gonna be a couple of moments, you know, where they're not on they're not synced up. Him and Garrett Wilson or him and whoever aren't quite synced up. You know, he brings in Randall Cobb, he brings in Alan Lazard to maybe help ease that transition a little bit. But the number one option here is Garrett Wilson. Even when Brees Hall comes back as a running back, you know, the option the your best chance of success is an Aaron Rodgers to Garrett Wilson pass. Like that is going to be what this offense is probably built around. And for the first few weeks, it could be a bit of a, you know, miscommunication stuff. You know, Rodgers is so used to the timing stuff, and he didn't really have that last year, but he had it in years prior with Devontae Adams, and obviously that took a very long time to set up. So we'll see as far as that goes, but I'm ultimate, I think he gets uh, thrown into the media for not being a great leader. I think he's a great leader. Oh, yeah. People are seeing it in hard knocks now. That like he's not an asshole like a lot of like a lot of the media makes him. If you've be. been watching Pat McAfee at all for the past yeah, like he's three not, years, he's, you he's know not, that he's not a douche. Like, exactly. That everyone makes him out to be. I think he's going to be great here, and especially like with the media, like people were worried about that going into the New York market. Like I think Rogers going to thrive. Oh yeah, like because he's just he doesn't he doesn't give a shit. But like to the point of like you know this isn't going to tear me down. Like right. you all can't say anything in the media that's going to bother me. Like, he's, what, 38? Like, yeah. it's not, this isn't Zach Wilson where it's tearing down his confidence. He's the Joe Namath type, like, personality. You know, like, he can definitely, if anybody's going to handle those bright lights in New York, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. So, I've always been a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. I think he'll do well. Seven might be a little high. Um, I'm sure I had, I, I forget what my ranking was, but I'm sure I had a similarly high ranking, honestly. But I do see a world say, where... Lawrence. Nine we can't reveal, uh, and then ten Kirk Cousins, eleven Deshaun Watson. I think Rogers at seven is fair. That's fair. Okay, yeah, it's we'll see, man. I mean, he's in a completely new environment this year, and for the first time in his career, his long career. So we'll see, but we feel good about it for sure. Having him at seven, and we feel pretty good about this group of playmakers too. Uh, so let's go ahead and start talking about them. Uh, you got to start out with the guy that we just mentioned. The most successful dude last year from the New York Jets, probably, and that's Garrett Wilson. Wins Offensive Rookie of the Year last year. Was an absolute beast despite playing under Zach Wilson, Mike White, Joe Flacco. It did not matter the quarterback situation. Garrett Wilson was balling out all season last year. Uh, And then another dude who was balling out before injury uh, in the backfield, you got Brees Hall, who was... Having a fantastic rookie year last year, looked to be running back one overall in fantasy, and then he has that ACL tear, and it seems like he's recovered pretty well from all the reports. Um, he won't be completely ramped up come the start of the season, 
Uh, I think I saw something around like week five. Um, he'll be completely ramped up and ready to go. Uh, but until then, you got Michael Carter behind him in that backfield as well. Uh, they drafted Izzy Abatacanda, I want to say it is said. I want to say it is said. Uh, but yeah, he's a solid rookie for sure. So they're stacking that RB room. And obviously they feel like, and we could talk about this a little more later, but they feel like they need a little bit of help in that RB room because they brought in Dalvin Cook. Uh, to come visit with the team and everything. So obviously that tells us a little something about Brees Hall, maybe not being completely ready yet, but we already knew that. Um, so we'll see how this running back room turns out come start of the season. Uh, but then you got a lot of other uh, wideouts here, man. You got Alan Lazard coming over from Green Bay, uh, probably the most trusted target among Aaron Rodgers last year. Christian Watson was probably your most explosive weapon. Uh, but Alan Lazard seemed like he gained the trust for sure of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so he just goes over to New York with him. Uh, they still got Corey Davis in this offense running out of the slot. But we do expect Nicole Hardman, free agent signing from Kansas City, to get a lot of work in the slot as well. So they'll kind of compete it out there. And he brought over another one of his boys in Randall Cobb, who Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers have been together forever. Uh, and then he got Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama on the tight end group. Uh, Uzama could, I mean, he was a free agent signing just two to three years ago. Uh, yeah, coming off of a uh, really impressive stretch with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. So we could see him getting wraps over Tyler Conklin. Maybe we see them both on the field at the same time trying to catch passes. But, I mean, this is an exciting group of playmakers, man. I mean, there's definitely an argument to be said that they could finish above 15 come end of the year. What do you think? Yeah, the and the argument that is there for that to happen is Brees Hall needs to get back healthy. Like, we saw throughout the first five weeks, this guy could be one of the most explosive running backs in the NFL, could give you, you know, that crazy touchdown at any given snap, uh, is, I think, one of the best young running backs in the NFL. The only problem is, Terrace's ACL in week six last year, uh, it's not, the report hasn't been necessarily that it's worse than they thought, but it's definitely not better. Like, it's not like he's ahead of schedule, maybe right. he's a little bit on schedule, maybe a little bit behind. Um, you know, for an ACL injury in October, you kind of think by... September, like early September, that he's ready to go, uh, at least for a little bit. Um, and it doesn't feel like that right now. And that's kind of why there are conversations about Dalvin Cook maybe coming in here. I think the fact that he went there, took the meeting, it's been almost two weeks now since that happened. I think it's dead uh, for the most part, unless like something happens with Brees Hall and the Jets like up their offer money wise and like, hey, look, we really need you now. Like we thought Brees was going to be ready week one week two it looks like it might be week six week seven we need a guy to bridge that gap maybe they call him back but at this moment in time unless something changes I don't think it's going to happen I thought it was kind of didn't make a whole lot of sense in the first place for Dalvin to go there for his sake I thought Miami made a lot more sense especially considering that he could take the RB1 role there like solidified versus whereas when Brees Hall comes back he's going to be splitting carries maybe he's looking to prolong his career and uh, credit to him for that but I think for now, until Brees Hall comes back and is that RB1 again, I don't think there's like a single viable option, especially you're talking fantasy here. There's not a guy that I'd pick over the others. I think Michael Carter, uh, Zonovan Knight, and Israel Abanacanda all just split this work pretty even. I think it's going to be about 30% snap share for each of them. Um, it's just going to, you know, who falls forward into the end zone, who has a big run, who gets more of the third down work on a given game. Uh, moving to the receivers, though, Garrett Wilson, I think is – really I think he's one of the 
eight or ten best receivers in the NFL. Like I love Garrett Wilson. I think there's a chance that he could step into that like Justin Jefferson type conversation. Well, after this so year. the Justin Jefferson conversation is weird because um, by most accounts he's in a tier by himself. Um, and then it's like Jamar, Tyreek, Devontae, Cooper Cup, Diggs, like that group. And I definitely think that Garrett Wilson with a good year with Rodgers could step into that tier. Like I, I think, think Jamar Chase is in that tier. Like I think day. arguably, yeah. I think, I think arguably. So too. And I, then, I have a closeted take that I don't think Justin Jefferson is the consensus number one. I think that there's three or four guys that could 100% be better than Justin Jefferson on any given week. So, but – this is not a Vikings episode or uh, any of those others. This is a Garrett Wilson episode. But point being, this like, is just a Garrett Wilson. Episode. I feel like Garrett Wilson could definitely line himself up. It could be Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson, mm-hmm. tier stop, and then everybody else. Yeah, like uh, again, we saw how good Devonte Adams was when he was getting hyper targeted uh, in a offense that didn't have as many other <laughs> weapons, and that is really the story here. Uh, you look around; it's Alan Lazard who. To be put nicely is probably a wide receiver three, wide receiver four on a good team. Like the fact that he was the wide receiver one going into last season was the main reason why the Packers faltered is because they didn't make plans to address wide receiver. You know, they grabbed Christian Watson and he breaks out and that's great. But Alan Lazard should have never been in that position to begin with. Uh, you're, I'm not really super excited about having him here as your two. Um, Corey Davis, we talked about him looking right now like he's going to play the slot. Uh, he's played the perimeter for a lot of his career. I think that could very well end up being Miko Hardman instead of him. Um, and I thought he was a cut candidate. The way that they were like bringing in all of Rogers' guys to come in here, I, I really thought that Corey Davis would get that. Former first-round pick. Former first-round pick. Got a nice-sized contract, too, after leaving Tennessee to come to New York. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought they would just let him go and figure something else out there, but they keep him around. I also thought that he – I said a few times – that he should have been involved in the Aaron Rodgers trade, sending him back to Green Bay would allow some, you know, for some more wide receiver depth from Green Bay. Obviously, doesn't happen. They've also got Miko Harbin here, who we mentioned, been a speedster for Kansas City, uh, could end up winning that slot role as well. Randall Cobb is on the roster for sure. Um, I don't really think you're going to get a whole lot from him this year. Maybe he's uh, he'll spend most every game injured. I don't well think. that yeah, and he's yeah. had some injury problems. I think he's just kind of here to help the receivers along and be like, hey, you know, a Rod likes a Rod likes this, so you do this, you get open, he'll find you here. Um, Cream like sugar in that coffee, be yeah, cold. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> Translating the Aaron Rodgers thing over to New York to these uh, younger receivers. Uh, and then the tight end room, you're not really super excited about anything here. Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama got to be some of the most uninspiring tight ends in the NFL. Um, but you put them together. You put them together, you, you'll probably get decent tight end play. But this is not. there's nothing to be excited about from really either one of those guys. Um, Aaron Rodgers historically not been a big tight end user. Uh, like Mercedes Lewis had... Like a couple good games a yeah. couple times. Robert Tanya had some Bobby Tanya good had a couple good games a couple times, but you're you're especially fantasy purposes, you're not worried about. You're not gonna be starting either one of these guys unless you're really, really, really in a pickle. Yeah. Uh, so fifteenth I think is fair. It's really carried by Garrett Wilson and by the health of Brees Hall. If Brees Hall gets back healthy, they could break this tenth best role because I do think that's probably the best running back receiver combo in the NFL right now. Uh, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper comes I might have a little bit of the feeling about Brees Hall. And I know it's going to be a new system under Nathaniel Hackett this year, but like, I feel like he was a darling of the system last year. A little bit, you know? Maybe. And running backs especially are fluky with that kind of thing. 
And the fact that they're bringing Dalvin Cook in for... Well, yeah, and if Dalvin Cook comes in here, I think that does slow down Brees a little bit, especially statistically, obviously, because he's not going to be getting as many snaps. He's not going to be forced back into playing. I think long-term, it's better for Brees Hall. Like, if they thought it was going to be just a problem for, like, five weeks, then I they probably would have just gone after, like, a Philip Lindsay. Classic. Had to throw out Philip Lindsay. But well, they would have just probably... I think Michael Carter, you know, I think this group now... Holds down the fort, the point where you don't have to spend any money adding a Dalvin Cook, adding a Philip Lindsay for whatever reason. You but obviously they have concerns long term for the season. I think so too, and that's the that is the problem. Is you know if he is good and if he's healthy, he will be fine. And I like everything that I said holds true. It's just a matter of is that going to happen. That's the concern right now. Yeah, for sure. And last thing I'll say uh, on this group of playmakers is that. We have Garrett Wilson as our breakout candidate here, and I think that's really solid. But I think Alan Lazard could be a little bit of a sleeper breakout candidate here. I mean, he had a lot of trust with Aaron Rodgers for the years that he played with him. And he's like, he's definitely not like top of the line talent, but I would give him a lot more credit than you would, I think. Like, I'm gonna, I think he's it's a going solid to be- wide receiver, too, for most teams. And I think that Do you want first. To play no, that with wide receiver twos, it'll take like three hours. But I'll say that like for the first six weeks of the season, while Aaron Rodgers gets the rapport with everybody else, it would not surprise me at all if Alan Lazard leads the team in catches and targets to for the first like four to six weeks of the season. So, but it would it'd be less surprising if Garrett Wilson did it. So I'll say that. But all right. Let's move on from this playmakers group and dive in to the offensive line. And we've got them coming in at 23rd overall, so not the best group to protect Aaron Rodgers, Brees Hall, and company. Uh, but they got some names on here, and you got to start with one of the best guards in the National Football League right now, and that is Elijah Vera Tucker, um, drafted out of USC, and he's been a dog ever since he came in. I uh, got Lakin Tomlinson at the other guard spots. Um, and then Duan Brown at tackle, Connor McGovern at center, and Makai Becton, who was a first-round pick at NC State not too long ago, uh, put on a significant amount of weight, and there was some concerns that he wouldn't be fit to play. Maybe he was just a dud, but he lost a ton of weight in the offseason and looks to make a bounce back this season at the tackle position of the Jets. Um, but there's some names on this line, and... They could probably outperform 23, but there's definitely some concerns. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their stats last year, uh, pass blocking they grade out as the fourth worst. Uh, run blocking they grade out as the sixth worst. So you're not super hopeful after what you saw last season. You don't have Mekhi Becton last year, so that is one difference here. Um, I think that there's a world where this lineup gets moved around a little bit of Mekhi Becton moving over to left tackle, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker moving out the right tackle, or maybe just Elijah Vera Tucker moving over to left tackle. Connor McGovern kicking out the guard, and then Joe Tipman, the rookie center who was picked in the, I believe, third or fourth round, uh, was in the top two centers for a lot of people. Um, no, second round, because he got picked in front of John Michael Smith. Uh, could end up starting here at center for them. Has supposedly looked very good in camp, and there's a world where this five gets changed around a little bit to get the best five on the field. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think that's what you would want to do. Um, just get the best five offensive linemen on the field. Don't worry as much about fit. If things go south with the fit, like, you know, McGovern's not playing well at guard, even though he's played there. I think the bigger 
worry would be transitioning Vera Tucker out the tackle, but even he did that at times last year as well. So I think that that's the move uh, for the Jets, but 23rd, you, there's definitely an argument to make this is too high because with Makai Pecton, you're not even certain that you're going to get a full season out of him. Yeah, they're not playing last year. We, you know, we've heard all the weight concerns. Uh, I think I saw a report that he slimmed down a little bit, but he has. He lost yeah. like it was like the Okun Twape transition. Yeah. I mean, a little less. Yeah, but Russell Okun lost like. 200 pounds or something by drinking water for like three months. But that's not Mackay Becton, but he did lose a significant amount of weight. We'll say. Yeah, so you're hoping for better things from him. I mean, again, was a first-round pick at one point in time, but it's just a matter of him being on the field to do that, to make that turnaround, and that's what you're concerned about with him. There's definitely, you know, there are names on this offensive line, especially if you can get Becton playing to that level and you get those best five on the field, I definitely think this could be a top half of the league offensive line. Um I think Joe Tittman is going to be pretty solid, uh, even though rookie offensive linemen do struggle, you know, just like most rookies do at any other position. I would say rookie centers tend to do a lot better, right? Like, look at Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey was good. Look at Tyler uh, Linderbaum was pretty yeah, good last exactly. year. So they're on a good run throughout the NFL uh, of centers doing well. The first center drafted in the last two drafts has done pretty well in his rookie season. So maybe the you know, maybe it continues here with Joe Tittman. It's just an underrated position. So the, yeah. the, the the prospect rating might be really high, but then the centers just drop in the and draft. Worst case scenario, you have a quarterback that can speed this offense up if the offensive line is struggling. Like Well a la a la Tom Brady. Literally speed this up. Like Aaron Rodgers is one of the slowest pace to play quarterbacks. I know, but he can't. It's not like you're bringing in a rookie here to the point where they can't make you know those hot ops, those hot reads, and stuff like that. Like Brady was doing last year to protect that offensive line in Tampa Bay, they were they kind of had to adjust the offense because they didn't really have a choice. If they did a lot more drop back passing stuff, Tom Brady's hitting the ground, and you know it's hard to win football games that way. I think the Jets might. If things really go south here, which I don't think they will, things do go south here. I think that they can try the more quick hitting, you know, quick plays, those like Devontae Adams type three yard out routes, just easy money. The timing's perfect, but they're going to need to develop that with Garrett Wilson to make that happen. And that's this offense is a lot of moving parts right now. Um, if there's a reason to be pessimistic, it is this offense, as weird as it is to say, uh, with Aaron Rodgers coming into the building. But there's a lot of things that need to be figured out before week one. Yeah, for sure. And I'm looking at the uh, the PFF numbers here. I mean, Connor McGovern came in 10th out uh, of centers last year in the grade. So, that, I mean, that's really solid. You move him out to guard. You put Tim in at center. And as you mentioned, it's about getting the best five guys out there. So they could put together a group that's better than 23rd overall this season. But the outlook is not good, as we say. But let's move on to this front seven, which we definitely got ranked. A lot higher. We've got them as a top 10 group here coming in at number seven. And as you go around the group here, first guy you got to mention is Quinnen Williams, who was kind of started, like came burst onto the scene with like interviews and how funny those were. Uh, but then he became one of the best defensive tackles in football. Um, and he's joined by Al Woods um, on the other side. And then on the ends, you got Carl Lawson. Uh, veteran in this league. Then you got John Franklin Myers, who had a really nice season last year. Um, and then on this linebacker core, really the guy worth mentioning here is C.J. Mosley, who's done his thing in New York ever since leaving Baltimore. Um, but a really solid group we've got ranked in the top 10. I'm a little hesitant 
on that ranking just a little bit, but this is a Robert Sala offense or defense, and I mean that means good things all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, while it doesn't have like Quentin Williams is obviously a big name. You know, he's yeah. one of the better, one of the best really uh, interior defensive linemen. Got paid like it recently as well as a part of that boom that happened for interior defensive linemen. Good on the Jets to lock him up. Uh, as he did have a breakout season this past year, grading at 90.1, which was fourth among all uh, interior defensive linemen, you don't have that, like, number one edge guy. And that was – I remember that was the big conversation last year during the draft was like, oh, well, Salah wants a, wants a fantastic edge. Like, he, he's going to want an edge with one of those first two picks because that was kind of how they built the defense in San Francisco. Obviously, you had Nick Bosa there. Um, you even, like, Eric Armstead kind of as a tweener a little bit. But, like, you had dominant pass rushing – and they didn't really have that, you know, they've signed a Carl Lawson and John Franklin Myers, but they didn't really have that number one guy. Uh, they ultimately don't do that and good on them because they probably got the best player in last year's draft and saw Scarlett. I mean, we'll talk about in a second. I think the hate has gone a little far. Oh my God, Jermaine Johnson. Like, I think that they did draft that edge guy. Well, yeah, they did. About. And I, and, yeah, but it was like those first two picks where it was like four okay. and 10. They were like, oh, well, they're going to, because that was the Kayvon, Trayvon Walker. Aiden Hutchinson, they were like, well, they got to walk away with one of these guys. That's and there was a point in time where it was like, well, Jermaine Johnson's going to go at four or ten yeah. or something like that. Like, that was the conversation at one point, which I thought was a little crazy. And again, good on them for not doing that because they got the offensive rookie and the defensive rookie of the year from last year's class in Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. Um, you hope that Jermaine Johnson can become that guy. I didn't really see it from him last year. Clearly, the Jets didn't either as he's walking into training camp uh, as a backup. Um, they but brought you do in have, players to replace him, basically. Yes, you do, but you do have solid depth here. Like, Jermaine Johnson is a part of that. He actually grades out of 71, so not terrible. 38th out of 119 yeah, rushers, Like it, so. it could be a lot worse. Uh, I really like John Franklin Myers. I think he's a nice, he was a nice ad, I believe, two years ago for them now. Um, Al Woods, veteran signing. They even got uh, Solomon Thomas in here as well, former member. Yep. Three, two, pick something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Drafted by the Robert Sala regime. Yeah, mean, he wasn't head coach, but um, and you got Carl Lawson here as well, who was okay last year. Nothing super extraordinary. After uh, I believe he tore his Achilles or his ACL in training camp the year before, missed his first season with or what would have been his first season with the Jets. Uh, linebacker room, you're pretty okay with everything here. You got Quincy Williams here. You got C.J. Mosley. I honestly thought C.J. Mosley would be, like, out of the league at this point in time. Yeah. Like, I kind of thought that he was getting a lot older than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still he's still hitting here. He's still playing starting snaps. He's still the best linebacker on this team, arguably. Um, you know, that plus the coaching that you've got here, this is going to combine for one of the best front sevens in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, C.J. Mosley grades out 30th among running back, or linebackers last year. So that's really solid. Can't complain there. Um, but yeah, I think like last thing, like I know I'm falling in love a little bit with Jermaine Johnson, who's not even in the graphic here. Uh, but when they drafted him, they mentioned, uh, how they want somebody to like constantly chase Josh Allen around, like outside of the pocket and his speed and athleticism can do that. So maybe they float him around a little bit more. Maybe they like, I mean, he's, would you say that he's small enough to possibly play a little linebacker this season? Uh, I mean, you invested such a high pick on him that you're well, going to have to try the different thing is, things. Yeah, but he's been a, he's been a hand in the dirt guy since college, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to be hard for him to make that transition. I definitely think that even though he is a little bit, I mean, he's he's a little thicker than like 
your average edge, if I'm not mistaken here, he's 260, 6'5", 262. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty big boy. That's a pretty big boy. But I feel good about him. It's just like he's hiding on that depth chart, and like I, I feel like that should definitely be noticed for sure. And but. maybe maybe he makes an emergence. You know, they're, I think considering that they don't have a number one edge and they have yeah. good depth here in Jermaine Johnson and Chris Clemens, exactly. they're going to rotate these guys. Like this isn't going to be a two guys on the field 90% of the snaps. It's going to be a rotation, keep everybody fresh, give everybody a shot, and you know, really see who comes out on top here. Maybe Jermaine Johnson is the starter this time next year. Maybe he's the starter by midseason. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, definitely an interesting group for sure and is going to be one of the main strengths of this team. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on from the front seven and dive into the second half of this defense. And it is one of the best defenses in football, if not the best defense. And it's led by this secondary as we have them coming in at first overall mm-hmm. among all groups. And I think that's our first number one rating we have. It, yes, it is. It's a little different because there is a little asterisk applied to it. Because just a, just a little bit of a spoiler. We did have the Dolphins in front of the Jets for secondary. We had the Dolphins as our number one secondary going into these rankings were made in May, June. If you've been watching on the Instagram, if you watched the last episode, you know we did have to move the Dolphins back a little bit after the injury to, you know, superstar corner. Jalen Ramsey, who was supposed to be like that was your big move. They went out and they got Jalen Ramsey this offseason to be the number one corner for that team and adding Jalen Ramsey to an already solid secondary with Xavier Howard, with Javon Holland on it. That's going to move you up to number one, but when you take that guy back away, we got to we got to move them down a little bit. So the Jets and you know Seattle moved up from three to two. Denver moved up from six to five, and the Jets move up from two to one here. And if you look at it, it does feel like it's a little heavily weighted by Sauce Gardner, who we talked about a little bit was the number four pick last year, defensive rookie of the year. You could 100% make an argument that he's the best corner in the league after one year, which is crazy, and you don't hear that very often. We saw the guy get picked one pick ahead of him in Derek Stingley. There's not a word anywhere about Derek Stingley. Hurts my heart because I had Derek Stingley above sauce. But that proved me wrong, and again, I said it during the Texans episode, I still wouldn't be surprised if Derek Stingley's like a top 10 corner in the league. It just didn't happen immediately. He's taking the normal career path. Sauce Gardner is just an alien. He yeah. was fantastic in year one. Um, again, graded out as the number one corner, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, number one corner yeah. last year. And the Jets graded out as the number one coverage unit as a result. You know, you look here, you see Sauce, you see DJ Reed. I think that's one of the four or five best CB duos in the NFL. Yeah, especially and with DJ Sauce Reed there. could DJ be Reed, a, super, a super cornerback great. one on another yeah. team. And the thing is, like, DJ Reed was pegged as a slot guy because of his size, as a guy that can only play slot corner. They moved him out to perimeter, and he realized, well, he can hold up there. And I think that that happening is going to allow much more, much smaller corners that have played slot corner their entire life because that's the hole they've been only able to fit through by the coaches – I think they're going to get more shots on the perimeter. You know, there'll be some guys that don't work out just like there are big guys at corner that don't work out. But and are, I think you consider putting DJ Reed at the in at the nickel like if yeah. you were like when Michael I mean, Carter like that. Michael Carter yeah, is now exactly. moving into that slot role where they were playing him on the perimeter some last year as well. Uh he finally gets to fill directly into that slot role. He played a really good season. And did play very well, was a big part in that coverage grade, grading towards the top. The safeties name-wise, you know, Jordan Whitehead had a couple solid seasons for the Bucs. 
uh, is here now. I believe he was a 2021 free agent signing, maybe 2022. Uh, but you feel okay about him. And just like this is it's, – it's a middling safety room. Like that's kind of just kind of what it is. Like Tony Adams is a guy. He's here. I think um, there's a solid chance Adrian almost takes over that starting. Yeah, spot. and that's another thing you got him uh, not buried on the depth chart, but he was a little bit later stage signing. I Who had a bad season last season? Yeah, wasn't very good. He's a name for sure. Yeah, and I think that it worst he pushes them, you know, as a vet, brings some. You know, he's been in the league for nearly ten years now. Uh, he's played in multiple different schemes as well. Uh, I thought that he was signing with the Eagles because I went to a Sixers game in January or like March or April. And he was there, and uh, I was like, "The fact you're gonna I think, I, think I, think I got Amos. something here. Adrian Amos is here, um, but he ends up signing with the Jets." Um, the fact that you can recognize him in public is wild. Yeah, I don't think I'd be able. It, to. it took me a minute because I was like, "Is that?" Yeah, is, it always does. Is that? And because uh, I mean, what are the odds that they're showing him on the jumbotron? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But if we do again. I have to put the asterisks in there because it is important. You know, it's worth noting. Um, but by default, they're sliding up here to number one. And by no means am I saying that they aren't deserving. I'm just saying maybe why they're here for those that have some questions. Yeah, for sure. But they definitely can back it up uh, with that number one overall ranking. And uh, the defense is the strength of this team. I mean, that's no doubt about that, like you said. And I mean, the side of the ball to be more pessimistic on is the offensive side. And a team where the defense is the strength and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, probably going to be pretty successful. Yeah, exactly. And it gets even better when you talk about this coaching staff. I mean, we've got them ranking out at I was 18. about to say, we're going from the first-ranked secondary. Yeah. I don't know if we're saying getting better. But yeah. But when you're talking about Robert Sala, who had was probably one of – the best defensive coordinators that we've had in the past decade. I don't think that's the last much couple of years for sure. Defensive coordinators, like there aren't too many guys. Like if you do some counting here, guys. I mean, the with best defense, defense. guys with defensive backgrounds. He's one of the only head coaches remaining. He's one of the highest. You know, I'm looking here. No, no, no. Yes, Vrabel. Dan Campbell is like a half. No, because he, he was a tight ends coach. Yeah. But he yeah, but he doesn't like do like offensive like he doesn't bring his own scheme. But um Vrabel, Pete Carroll comes from a defensive background. My, but, uh, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. That's four coaches that are in front of him uh for with defensive backgrounds. Obviously there are some that haven't been released yet, but Eberflush. Yeah, but he's down at thirty one. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh that's and that's kind of the point here is that you know, Robert Salah has formed a coaching uh, pedigree now and has built a coaching staff around him being a defensive minded head coach, which is very hard to do in the NFL now. Like, I think two thirds or some stat like that, if the coaches in the NFL come from an offensive background. So to rank at 18th with a defensive background, that's very impressive to do. I think he's built a night culture here. I think, you know, everybody's going to be a little bit higher on Robert Salah because of hard knocks. They get to watch him do all the background stuff. They need to just make hard knocks available for all 32 teams. They just they just need to one season just be like, all right, we don't give a fuck what you're saying. We've made enough money this year. Here's like five million dollars for each team. We're putting a camera in every locker room. Like that's that's just gonna happen and you're gonna have to deal with it. I would love that. I mean, I like, dude, imagine if there was like eight hours of hard knocks footage for every team every offseason. Oh my god. 
I, I wouldn't. I have to drop out of school. I have to. I have to find time. Everybody would be watching Hard Knocks to be looking for all the stories. Yeah, like all the stories, all the fans. That's how you stuff. get your news. Like last year with like DeAndre Swift, where it's like, oh, well, we think he, you know, he can get a thousand receiving, a thousand rushing, and it's like that. There's like eight of those yeah. throughout the league, and everybody's like, dude, imagine how much fantasy ranks and shit like that would be. Oh my but, God. Yeah, I mean Salah coming over from San Francisco three years ago now, I think. Um, Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, he's been here for a little bit. Well, when you think about it, it's like, do you it's think enough it's, time passed that D'Amico Ryans was the D.C. Do you think it's C top? Ah. Because we've gone on a run here through these last few coaches, uh, Mike McCarthy, Kevin Stefanski, and now Robert Slaw, that are grading in the bottom half with top 11 rosters, top 11 ranked teams, and... The expectations are going to be high for Salah, for Stefanski, for McCarthy. And you know, we've even got three more teams uh, with coaches in the bottom half of the league that we haven't even revealed yet. I think they're going to be lumped into that same tier because of you know the fact that they are rosters that are Super Bowl ready. And especially after you go make the change at quarterback, which may have been keeping Robert Salah in-house here of like, oh, well, he's got Zach Wilson. You can't expect that much of him. Or he's got Mike White or Joe Flacco or whatever name you want to throw. You got Aaron Rodgers now, dude. You're a defensive-minded coach, and you've got Aaron Rodgers with a good defense, with good, with solid weapons, a solid offensive line. The expectation is now the playoffs, the hopes, the aspirations are the Super Bowl. Like, I think I think the Jets might have to win a playoff game, and I've said this for the last three episodes. I think the Jets have to win a playoff game for him to keep his job. Nah, I don't. I don't think so. If I think the Jets miss la- the playoffs, what do, what do they do? I think the year he had last year, especially before he lost Brees, like I think that already solidified himself at least this year. Yeah, it's like but, he gets this um, year, and then after this year, even if this year is like a shit show, I think he still gets another year. If they if they miss the playoffs, is Robert Salah the coach next year? I think there's no way because you have two. You have probably two years of Aaron Rodgers. Are you going to waste both of them on a coach that you are unsure about? I think they have to win a playoff game this year, or it's a lost job. And we talked about it with the Browns. With the window being so small, I think that's a good point. Like I think, yeah, like you have two years potentially in a championship window. We had one to two years on the championship window, which we'll talk about in a second that I just spoiled. But you know, you've got to. If, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, you know that he's not the problem, and maybe he is, but what are they going to do about that? Are they going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll run Zach Wilson out there again if it, things go south this year? You know, you Aaron Rodgers is like, well, I've got one year left. You have no moves to make. You can't be like, oh, I'll go tra- make this change here. You have to fire the coach. You know, whether it's righteous or not, I feel like Salah definitely gets fired. And we talked about it, you know, six of these teams are going – or seven of the nine teams remaining, which includes the Jets – only six of them are going – seven are in the AFC. Six of them are going to make the playoffs. The Jets and the Browns were two of those teams that were on the outside looking in. I said it was the eight of the top ten in the AFC, and six are going to make the playoffs. And right now it's the Jets and the Browns looking on the outside looking in, not even in the playoffs. Yeah. So if these rankings hold true and they don't even make the playoffs – I feel like there's no way he keeps his job, especially you know. They were seven and ten last year. As a defensive-minded coach, that's an uphill battle. They were seven and ten in a division with the Pats. Okay, valid. Uh, but the Dolphins and the Bills, bro. Like they like. It, I mean, that's a hard I, schedule. I understand, and that's a great thing. But I, I said, righteous or not, you've only got so many years of Aaron Rodgers. You've probably got two. Totally fair. I think at max you have three. Yeah. Like at the very, very most, you've got three. 
But if things go south this year and you know they they stumble into a wild card appearance and they get bounced early in the playoffs, I, I think they let him go because you want to opt for an offensive minded head coach. You want to get you know I do think that Aaron Rodgers likes the law, but do they even maybe promote Nate? Yeah, Nate that's what I was going to say. That's probably that what's another happen. shot, which would be absolutely crazy because within two seasons, Nate Hackett would have put together. One of the worst head coaching campaigns. Don't come at me, Aaron Rodgers. I don't want. I don't want to. You're quoting Sean. But (laughs) put together one of the worst coaching seasons that we've seen in a very long time, and then gets another head coaching job because Aaron Rodgers is, you know, his guy, and I'm sure they want to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Uh, We'll see. Who knows on that? I don't want to speculate too far ahead in the future, but that's a possibility. That's a that is a world that could happen, and it would. I would honestly be very, uh, very intrigued to see it, especially like listening to Hackett like in camp now, and just like how, because it felt like he was like censored in Denver a little bit. Yeah, and you know, also we didn't get to see all the behind the scenes stuff, so that changed it a little bit. So, he just feels a lot like the pressure's off for him. Yeah, this year. and th- that was another thing. Like that was good to see because I did like at a certain point you feel bad for the guy because he yeah. seems like a good guy. And it's just like every week. He's one of those fun head coaches them. too. Yeah. Like it sucks that that, that had yeah. to happen. But this is a businessman. Yeah. But he has another shot to do it if Salah gets fired after this year. I don't think. I mean, if it goes to like if they get like two wins, obviously well, he's done. Yeah. But I think if this team doesn't make the playoffs or loses now, in the first no round, way. if they bring in Aaron Rodgers and they don't because. Seven and ten, they missed the playoffs. I think by it's you know, a point in debate. It's a point. If debate. they don't, that's not an improvement. If you miss the playoffs again, you didn't improve. And if they don't improve after going making the biggest quarterback jump from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers, giving up I mean, a significant amount of capital to do it too. Like, yeah, and I mean it's dra- it's not like you're giving up a lot of players. They gave up draft picks. Right. Like if I they understand. don't make an improvement. I feel like there's no way, especially in New York and that media market, like you can't hold on to the guy that's not putting results on the field. That's fair, but I would say the same thing about Brandon Staley. Like, if you're saying this about Salah, then Brandon Staley should have been fired like one to two years ago, bro. Maybe maybe we'll be saying about Brandon Staley. Yeah, that's a good point. But all right, let's move on uh, from the coaching and let's dive into the schedule and. Who our outlook for this season doesn't look any better because of the schedule, because they come in at the sixth hardest schedule in the National Football League. Uh, Vegas has their over under at nine and a half. And ugh, at nine and a half, that means that they would have to outperform one of probably the Dolphins or the Bills. You know? I mean, they don't have to win the division. I think they can win. They can go over and. Still be they can they can go over and still be third place in this division. There's a world where that happens. Three teams in the division get ten wins when you're playing each other twice. The Patriots would need to suck. Yeah, that's like one of these teams is going to win less than seven or eight games because I I do think that one of these teams in this division also wins like eleven or twelve. Like there's a these are very good teams. There's a reason why the Jets are the third team that we've released. Or the only, only the second team that we've released, we've still got two more to go, and they're ninth, which means you know the Dolphins and the Bills are still left here. They're going to be in the top ten. This is a very tough division. Like this is this is no joke here, and this very is rarely basically all gas, no breaks until week did thirteen. You just make a Jets hard knock. I did, bro, and I didn't even realize that. Wow, I'm, um, I am the man. Very but, rarely do you see a team with. That finishes fourth in the division because the schedule is based off of their last season's performance and where they place in the division. 
They placed last, and they still have the sixth hardest schedule in the NFL. They're playing all the last place teams from all the other divisions, and this is this is the result. Like that's like like I said, there's no it's all gas no breaks until week thirteen. Because I mean, you got a couple of duds in here, but you start you start with Buffalo, then you go Dallas. And you got New England in week three, which is always a tough matchup. Like Bill Belichick, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You got the Chiefs at four. <laughs> Good God. You got the Broncos who, I, I mean, you're probably favored in that game. But there's a world where Sean Payton rips off four wins in a row to start the season. And the Broncos look legit like they were supposed to last year. And then you play the Eagles. You got to buy. Then you go play Brian Dayball and the Giants. The Chargers. The Raiders will be a nice dub. Uh, but then the Dolphins, uh, or Buffalo, then Dolphins. Oh, my God. Then you play the Dolphins again in Week 15. And you've yeah, got Washington. Week, That's yeah, Week 16, 17, 18. You've, you definitely eases off. But goodness gracious. I just realized that there's a little, like, red tab hanging off of the Chiefs there. And uh, I'm probably just going to resign. Puts uh, puts emphasis on uh, KC, yeah, man. It's a, a tough little, matchup. A little dude. upset right now. Didn't pick that up. I was in a rush to get out of the house yesterday, and I. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> well, I think I'm just gonna. It's still just as colorful, man. And we've got a seriously colorful schedule here. Probably put it at one of our most colorful, to be honest. <sighs> the orange and red being back to back a lot of times. Right down the middle, though. Oof. You get a Giants blue. The, di- the different blue blues. The yeah. powder blue, navy blue, and royal blue. Mm-hmm. You get two royal blues too with the Giants. You get like two different shades of royal blue there. It's rough. It's yeah. rough. That's uh, tough sledding. Official over under prediction. I'm gonna go. God, man. I mean, this is a rough. You one. brought up a little bit of a take yesterday that I might agree with a little bit. I, I might and as I'll well, go under. Might as well unload the chamber on it then. Yeah, if you I'm go ahead. Because that's why I'm gonna go under here. I think there's a world where this is uh, this is this year's Broncos. Like you, for so long, the Jets have been oh, just give them a quarterback. They need to get a quarterback, you know, whether it be through the draft, whether it be getting one of these veterans. And the Broncos were like that for a very long time, and then they do it. You know, they get Russell. The Broncos get Russell Wilson. The Jets go get Aaron Rodgers. And while there wasn't a coaching change here in New York, uh, Nate Hackett is here. He's in the building. He's going to be wearing Jets colors the same way that he was wearing Broncos colors in Denver. Um, the parallels are kind of similar. I think Brees Hall and Javante Williams, like you probably feel the same about them as a player. Obviously, the injury makes things a little bit different. Uh, they both have like exactly one really good offensive lineman in Elijah Bear Tucker and Garrett Bowles for both teams. They also had a all-pro level corner going into year two. In both seasons. Um, also, they are in the most loaded division that we may have seen ever. We said that exact same thing a year ago about the AFC West with the Chiefs, Chargers, and Raiders all loading up that offseason, as well as the Broncos obviously getting Russell Wilson. And the Jets are in that same situation here with the Patriots, Dolphins, and Bills. I just feel like there's a lot of parallels there. I think we also had the Broncos at ninth in our power rankings last year, weirdly enough, the same way, same place we have the Jets. So, there are a lot of strange parallels here, and there's a lot of hype, the same way there was a lot of hype around Denver. And I feel like, as hard as it is to say, because I love Aaron Rodgers, I think that I don't think that he would falter the way that Russell Wilson did. I find it almost impossible that he could do that. But there's a world where it happens, and I'm, I'm just going to point out that the parallels are very oddly similar. Yeah, for sure. And as I'm looking down the schedule, the last thing I'll say is that, like, 
I could definitely see a world where you get to, I don't know, week, you get through week six and you're about to hit the bye, right? And you win your games that you should win against the Patriots and the Broncos, which is still kind of a question mark. So then you're two and four headed into your bye. Aaron Rodgers tells everybody to relax like he's always has. And then you've got a really, like, you've got an easier stretch. Like, I mean, you've got the Giants and the Chargers, but the Giants is a winnable game. Then you got the Raiders in Week 10, and then it really falls off after Week 12. Like, you got Falcons, Texans, you play the Dolphins again, but then you got Commanders, Browns, and the Patriots to end your season. So, like, if you have... Browns could be clicking by then. Yeah. Patriots is going to be in Foxborough. Dolphins is going to be in Miami. Granted, the heat will have cooled off then, so you're not really like super worried about that element of it. Um, It'll be a classic Aaron Rodgers slow start where he tells everybody to relax, and then I mean, he hell, starts got, to pick it up. They got hot at the end of last year. I mean, the Packers yeah. at one point were two and six, two and seven. I mean, there I remember doing on midseason power rankings. You know, they spent two or three weeks in the bottom tier. Like that happened. They were like 25th or 26th in our like in one of the weeks power. Um, yeah. And there was they had a shot, you know. If they beat the Lions, they're in the playoffs, and they're you know swinging right there in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers. Anything can happen. Um, that could very well happen here as well, where they could be in a situation where it's win and you're in against New England in Week 18, especially as stacked as this conference is. Uh, the Lions only set at nine and a half. You know, even going over at ten wins could still put you in position for the seventh wild card spot here. So. Very, very intriguing season, and a bravo to HBO for uh, picking them up for our box. Yeah, we just watched that last night. So we were coming in to this episode fresh yeah. off the uh, Hard Knocks performance. But um, and um, just to say, I'm pissed that the episodes come out on Tuesdays. That's stupid. Release them on a Sunday because that's football day. But and when every other major popular TV show comes out. But you know, I digress. But let's wrap it up here with our ranking slides. And we've got the offense coming in at 11th overall as the Blitz Pod consensus. Their defense got them coming in at number two overall. That puts them ninth in the power rankings in general. But there's almost an argument that they should be higher based off those rankings. But, you know, we got the coaching and all that to consider. And just, I mean, what we just talked about, you know, we got the over-under. We both got the under on nine and a half, which is not too great. But this championship window, there's no question about it. It's open right now. You got one to two years left. As long as Aaron Rodgers is here, this championship window is open. And I just, it, it's really just a question of how long he's here. I mean, if this if this season is like goes like Green Bay last year, then this window closes right away, you know. I think that as long as Aaron Rodgers is in uniform for the Jets, I think their championship window's open. I think yeah. the def- I mean, we have the defense at second for a reason. There's stars. The defense is loaded, you know, point blank. And as long as Aaron Rodgers is here, the offense is going to be good enough to the point where the defense can carry the load and be like do like 60% of the work. The offense can pick up the rest of that to get them there. Like the main problem last year in Green Bay was – that team was supposed to be carried by their defense. It was supposed to be kind of the same formula they've employed here in New York was, look, there's the weapons aren't that great. The offensive line is pretty solid, but you have Aaron Rodgers and you have a great defense. And more times than not, like we had them at fifth and it felt right. Like even without the weaponry there, 
Having them at fifth felt right. Now the defensive coordinator in Green Bay decided to call a terrible game 17 times last year, and the defense was awful despite all the talent they have on it. They also lose Rashawn Gary. They had a couple guys also uh, miss other time with injuries. But if they can replicate that formula, keep everybody healthy, call good games on defense, this defense could very well fulfill the second ranking. And as long as you have Aaron Rodgers on offense, I feel like more times than not, you're going to be able to figure things out on that end of the football. Uh, so as long as he's here, the championship window is open. Like I put one or two years left. If he's here for three years, it's open for three years. If he's here for four or five years, it's open for the next four or five years. As long as this core stays intact, then you know the best part about it is the two best players on this team that aren't Aaron Rodgers are Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner, and they are heading into year two in the NFL, both get a fifth year option. So they are under team control for the next four years. So, you know, if Aaron Rodgers wants to play another four years, he'll have those two guys with him. Yeah, that's for sure. And like, I still don't think, I still think there's a world where like, maybe Zach Wilson looks a lot better after two years under Aaron Rodgers. And then maybe that championship window stays open with Zach Wilson because of the surrounding parts. But I mean, one thing's for certain, as long as A-Rod's in town in New York, this championship window is open for the Jets. And that's something that Jets fans haven't been able to say since I've been, been alive. Say. Yeah, like ever. But, I mean, Joe Namath Joe brought Namath you. Joe won a Super Bowl and Super Bowl three, And I will say, I think the championship window may have been open in, like, 2010. With Mark Sanchez? They made an AFC championship. Oh, dude, I don't know. Bart they, Scott. I mean, LaDainian Tomlinson was on that yeah, team. Steelers, like, you know, had to put that to rest, of course, but. Darrell Ravis was on that team, but you Grant's can't on the hall. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, dude's looking a little fast. Dude, I, <laughs> I was about to say something. I refrain. Oh, I refrain. I'm sorry, Darrell, bro. It's dude, Revis Island. Do not disrespect. Dude, Revis it's Island. it's Revis country now, bro. It's real like that. It's a unit of a man, bro. He ate the old Darrell Revis, but I'll digress. He's one of the best cornerbacks of all time, if not the best cornerback of all time. I was literally shook up, though, by how big he was. I was like, is that Darrell Revis or is that a <laughs> imposter? So, anyway, great dude. I don't want to end the episode on that. I'm just saying that this Jets team hasn't been able to have been hopeful in a long time for 21 years of life for me. And this is the first time where they feel like they have a legitimate chance at playoff success this season. So we will watch closely this season, watching the New York Jets, but it'll be a good time as we roll through the rest of these power rankings. Got eight teams left. It's kind of sad, but, you know, football season is here, boys. So we will catch you later. Peace.